So how close is Notre Dame's class of 2024 to being a truly elite group? That's coming up in today's edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, June 8th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Whether you're watching along on YouTube or listening on your preferred podcast platform, I appreciate you joining me here today. And if you like what you hear, please like the video, rate the podcast five stars, and of course, subscribe to the show. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and have been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I've also been covering college football as a producer since 2018 for the two major sports networks, first for ESPN and now at the Fox Sports headquarters in L.A., Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college. When you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. And in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Lockdown's National Recruiting Insider, Brian Smith, to share the latest on Notre Dame's recruiting class. The Irish have another huge weekend lined up with a bunch of very important prospects taking their official visit, including one, Elijah Rushing. It really wouldn't be a recruiting podcast without some intel on Justin Scott and Elijah Rushing. So, of course, we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about his big-picture impressions of the class as a whole, and he had some really encouraging things to say about C.J. Carr, Chancey Stuckey, and Dylan McCullough as well, so I think you guys are going to enjoy that. I apologize for getting this episode up a little bit later than normal. Brian and I had to knock out this interview in the morning, uh, at least first thing in the morning, West Coast time, and literally right before I pressed record, the Jack Swarbrick news broke. He is going to step down as the athletic director at Notre Dame, so that's obviously huge news in the Notre Dame landscape. Um, I will have an episode on that tomorrow, likely with Luke Smith, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and for the latest, you can follow the show on social media at Locked on Irish on Twitter and at Locked on Irish Pod on Instagram. But I appreciate your patience. Let's not wait around any longer. Let's talk to Brian. All right, Brian Smith is here. Brian is the official recruiting insider for the Lockdown Network. So first off, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on during a crucial time in recruiting across all of college football. And I want to start with a big picture question. Notre Dame's 2024 recruiting class is currently ranked number three in the team composite rankings according to 24-7 Sports, but sometimes those rankings can be a bit misleading, uh, especially at this point in the cycle. So what are your overall impressions of the class? It's a really good class. It's balanced. It just hasn't met all its needs because of what you said first off. It's just the beginning of the class. Several of the key recruits that they're going after, just like the Georgias and Ohio States of the world, they're not going to make early decisions. So how they finish is probably a lot more important than how they started. Yeah, that makes sense. And currently Notre Dame has, I think, the most commitments of any other school in the country. They have 19, which sort of skews those rankings sometimes because with more commitments, that's more points on the recruiting rankings. So which uh, areas do you think Notre Dame has the most work left to do? Defensive line. I mean, Justin Scott and Elijah Rushing. I mean, there's – there's no way around it. If they don't get at least one of them and they're not necessarily favored to get either one, it's not a complete class. So it, that's that's recruiting, though. If you're going to catch Georgia and Alabama, you got to get those kids. So those are the two key guys for me. Now, there, there are others, too, but those are the two key guys for me that are remaining on the board. Yeah, it didn't really take us long to get into those two guys. And all right, let's talk about him a little bit more. Um, it sure seems like Miami is the team to beat for Scott right now. Uh, even though he just said publicly that Notre Dame, Miami, and Georgia are all tied for the number one spot, I'm not really sure how that works. I certainly take that uh, as he's a lean towards Miami, and I know that's nearby you. So what's your read on his recruitment right now? Go by what a recruit does, not what a recruit says. He's going to visit Notre Dame like once in six, eight months, and he lives two hours away. 
that's a horrific sign. I don't care what anybody says. And no 17 year old is going to fool me. I've been part of the recruiting industry in some capacity over 20 years. This is the same trend that kids say just to keep somebody warm when they're really feeling somebody else. Um, he's been to Miami like twice already this spring and he's getting ready to take an official. He hasn't been to Notre Dame since like January, February. And again, he lives two hours away. That's not a good sign. Georgia's the wild card because they're Georgia. And, and I get it. You know, I mean, any kid that doesn't want to look at Georgia, I'm almost a little concerned about them. Um, that, that's pretty hard to pass up. So that's fine. Miami though, that they were five and seven last year. It's not close to home, etc. There's something off there. I, I don't like that for Notre Dame. So wait, you you don't think he's leaning towards Miami? Oh no, no, I do. Oh, okay, like, I got you. Fit, like they never get kids out of Chicago, they just don't. Yeah, and all of a sudden they're the leader for him. That that's not a good sign. Yeah, his recruitment has been really peculiar because there was a point uh, way back at the very beginning of this year, back in January, when it looked like he was ready to announce his commitment to Notre Dame publicly on his birthday, and then that Georgia offer came in, and then he held off, which I completely understand for the record. This is certainly not a complaint uh, for a player of his caliber. He should wait. He should wait to see uh, and meet with all these coaches, visit all these campuses. But to your point about his visits, yeah, that's been a big big red flag to me as well. Um, he's got the four officials lined up throughout the month of June. Um, to He already took his vi- official to Georgia. Uh, he's got Miami, Michigan, Ohio State. And he was, I don't know if you know this, he was supposed to come to Notre Dame for the spring game, but said he couldn't oh, get yeah. off work. And a- after that, I was like, okay, I'm not sure I'm buying this. Now he claims that he wants to take an official visit during the fall and go to one of the games, but I- I'm with you. I don't really see it trending towards Notre Dame right now. No, I Look, there's too many other opportunities for him to get over to campus, and he hasn't. There's something here that's an underlining tone, and yeah, it, whatever it is, it's not good for the Irish. So prove me wrong, and uh, yeah. then we'll talk about it then. But until then, as far as I'm concerned, he's not going to end up at Notre Dame. So as for rushing, uh, he's going to be in South Bend this weekend for his official visit. And obviously, adding a five-star defensive end any year would be a huge deal. But considering <laughs> what Notre Dame went through last year with Keon Keeley and where things stand with Scott right now, rushing's recruitment feels especially important. So how big of a difference maker is rushing, not just terms, not just in terms of his skill set on the field, but what his commitment would mean for Notre Dame's class as a whole? Well, number one, let's talk about the class. You've got to fill needs no matter who you are or, you know, even though you get certain star rankings, the only thing that matters is whether or not you win on the field. Notre Dame, like most schools, is always looking for its next pass rusher. There aren't that many of them that fit the profile that you need. There just aren't. And rushing has offers from pretty much any school you can imagine that would be ranked in the top 15 in the country, if not all of them. So uh, depending on the week, I've heard different schools, Ohio State, et cetera, but it looks like he's probably going to go to Tennessee or Notre Dame if he leaves the West Coast. UCLA and Arizona have been involved. I mean, it's it's a random list. I don't know what to think of it. The, the one wild card here for me is Oregon. They probably scare me the most because they've done such a tremendous job of recruiting the West Coast over the last several years. And part of that was Mario Cristobal, who's now at Miami, because he's just a phenomenal recruiter. But Tosh Wupoy is the D-line coach for the Ducks phenomenal recruiter and Dan Lanning, the head coach is also a phenomenal recruiter and he's a defensive guy. That to me is the the visit I'm most worried about. I believe that rushing will visit the ducks the week after he visits the Irish. That should be a pretty interesting situation. And on top of that, even if he committed, no matter what school he commits to, and this is something I'm sure you're going to ask me about if he commits, 
is he done? Notre Dame's rule about the commitment thing and the visits isn't my favorite. And with five-star kids, man, that's that's a really touchy subject because they don't typically listen to what coaches say at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think Notre Dame fans, uh, they understand that when you're recruiting a five-star, it's likely going to go down to the wire uh, a la Peyton Bowen. But we'll get to them, we'll get to him later because I do want to ask you about him. Uh, let's talk about rushing the player. What type of caliber player is he? What's his skill set, strengths, weaknesses? What do you think? He has all the measurables. Uh, he's 6'5". He's 230 pounds, 250 pounds, depending you want to talk to. But he has the frame to be 260 and still play in a stand-up position. Again, there are only so many of these young men that were built that way. And to be honest, Notre Dame doesn't normally get them. That's why he's so yeah. important. Georgia gets one every year. If Maybe you're two. going to beat them, <laughs> if you're going to beat them, you've got to have more bullets in the gun. That's as simple as it gets. It's just more chances to throw somebody out there that can be a star. And this kid fits the profile. Um, twitchy. He has bend. He has all the things that you would look for in a guy that would be a 3-4 stand-up end or a 4-3 weak side end. And he can probably drop into coverage a little bit, which is something Notre Dame does with their 3-3-5 package. He is an all-around freak, and uh, that's why he's got all the offers, my friend. Do you think he'd be ready to play his freshman season? He could play some, but this is the, I know, boring, but the true answer. Freshmen don't play as much as many people think they should because they just can't handle the playbook. And not yeah. necessarily their own. They got to know formations for the other team. They got to know yeah. the tendency. And that is just something they're not ready for, usually at 18. So if you want to use him on third and eight, absolutely. First and 10, eh, that, he's got to prove that. Because that's a whole different deal when you're taking on a 310-pound offensive tackle. Good luck. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, now, which players or position groups uh, impress you the most in this class for Notre Dame? Well, with Young coming in at the commitment this week, the running back, he's one of my favorite players in the class, and he's vastly underrated. It's amazing to me that he's from Lufkin, an East Texas school that's always had players. Uh, that's a automatic stop for OU, A&M, and UT every year, if that tells you anything. And yet he's like ranked 200 to 300 by most of the services. I think he's a guy that can be a two-year starter at Notre Dame and play in the NFL. 215-ish, it would be my guess on his size. Great feet. Um, you put him with Aeneas Williams. Uh, the running back group is going to be really good at Notre Dame for a long time. So that's elite. Uh, the O-line class, if they add Gerby Lambert, could be elite. That's that's He's the most important guy. He's a left tackle. I do like Styles Prescott. But uh, he's a little more of a project compared to Lambert, who, who's further along in the advancement stages. And then if you look at the receiver group, I don't know how many people realize how talented some of the kids are. Kenyon, the kid from Warner Robins, man, that guy, he's an athlete. He has NFL potential. Once he focuses just on playing receiver, he plays a little bit of everything for his high school. He has a chance to be an NFL player. So O-line, receiver, those, those two are, and running back, I love. We need to see how it kind of like linebacker concerns me a little bit. Uh, corner, they're they're in, they're in the right process, and they might add another piece from the state of North Carolina or state of Tennessee later this year. That's pretty important. So they're in good shape overall, though, and uh, it should end up in a top ten no matter who's doing the rankings. Okay, so I have some follow ups there, but first I want to talk about Young. Uh, you were also early on Jadarian Price. You said that he was criminally underrated, and then when he got to Notre Dame, he made a great impression during spring practice before he suffered that torn Achilles last year. We're hearing rumors that he was already better than Audric Estime in Logan Diggs. Now, obviously, he suffers that torn Achilles, and that set him back uh, substantially. But 
You think Young is also very underrated, so that's interesting to me. Do you think that Dylan McCullough just has a special eye for talent and is able to see these guys that other people might not rate as high? I don't, I don't know what was so hard about Young. Um, to be honest, a very simple novice watching film, watching a kid run away from other prospects in East Texas, which is a famous area for high school football recruiting, it's not that hard. I mean – he had a Texas offer. He had a Texas A&M offer and he's not in the top 200 and he's got offers from all over the country. You know, it's, and he's got natural size. Most of these running backs coming out of high school that run away from kids are a buck 80 and they're not ready to handle pass protection, running between the tackles. He's all of that. So he's a more polished, complete package and he's a good student. He's, he's what you're looking for. So I don't know what it is, but a lot of people missed on where he's ranked. And if he doesn't end up in the top 200, uh, then everybody missed. This episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I've raved about Bird Dog shorts before in the podcast, and I'm here to do it again because they're just that good. Not only do they make you look better, they're way more comfortable than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. So not only can you wear these shorts to the gym, but you could wear them on the golf course, out to lunch, really, wherever you want. And not only that... When you go to birddogs.com slash college and you enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. So get to birddogs.com ASAP, get yourself some new shorts and a nice coffee tumbler to go along with them. And once your shorts arrive, you won't want to take them off, we promise. You did not mention the quarterback in, the, in this class, and he's pretty much the clear leader, four-star quarterback C.J. Carr. He's going to be at the Elite 11 Finals in just over a week here, and he'll be competing against the very best quarterbacks in the country. I've said on this podcast many times that evaluating a quarterback at the high school level, at the college level, even the NFL level to some extent, it's like the hardest thing to do in all of sports. He's currently ranked as the fifth-best quarterback in the class, according to 24-7 Sports, but how do you think he stacks up uh, compared to some of the other top guys in this class? He's the most accurate kid in the country. Uh, I've seen him play live a few times. I've talked to him. Great guy. Uh, tremendous personality. I can see why he gravitates towards a place like Notre Dame where it's very open and, and very hospitable amongst the student body. He's a kid that he makes really unusual throws look natural. He will literally look one way and throw the other direction, which I don't recommend kids trying to do, but I've seen <laughs> him do it. It's it's crazy. Like That's something you do in basketball. It's harder in football, yeah. obviously. And he does it. And he's done it several times, but he comes from a football family. For those that don't know, it's Lloyd Carr's grandson. So obviously football is in his blood. He's as good a player as you're going to find in terms of like polish for the quarterbacks. He may not have the same upside as somebody like Rayola, but he's further along right now. And he's the safer guy. He's probably got the highest floor of any quarterback in the 24 class. I didn't talk about him because everybody always talks about Carr. He's the obvious. He has a chance to be a two or three year starter and go to the NFL. So, yeah, there's nothing about him not to like. Great kid. He comes from the right kind of family. He loves Notre Dame. He's got all the talent. He's polished. Yeah, he's a great prospect. So is there anything that concerns you about his evaluation? Or you said that he has the highest floor. So do you just think that he might not have some of the raw tools that would make him, like, stand out above the rest? Well, he's only about 6'2 to 6'3. It's not like he's, you know, like Peyton Manning 6'6. Would I have made him different physically? Yeah, I'd have made him bigger. It, that's the only thing. I, I was talking to a coach the other day, and it, the, nobody likes to hear this, especially about their kid, but the number one thing that it, it is evaluated is your availability. 
And that's why a lot of kids who are dynamic in high school don't get recruited by like Georgia or Oklahoma or something like that. Carr's big enough, but if he was six foot five, 225, he'd be the number one player in the country. If you kept all the other things the same, it's just about size. So you can't change that. But otherwise, yeah, he, he fits the profile. And I think he's a top 30 recruit in the country, possibly top 15. So Notre Dame did very well to get him, and he'll end up being a starter for the Irish. Yeah, I'm sure Notre Dame fans are going to love to hear that. Now, I didn't even uh, expect to ask you this question, but Elite 11, that's coming up. Uh, what do you think of Elite 11? How far, like, what do you take from that in terms of valuations of not just CJ Carr, obviously, but all the quarterbacks? I went to a few of them this year. I went to even went to the finals last year in L.A., it's a really important way to look at a kid's mentality, how mature they are. Some of the kids that we had high expectations for, especially on day one, there's three days of the finals were awful on day one. They were overwhelmed. Like when we were out there, I'm standing next to Bryce Young and talking to him about Nick Saban and stuff like everybody you can imagine that's a quarterback who isn't how it comes out to this. And sometimes kids wilt a little bit, but then as they go on, they pick it up. Carr will not be intimidated. He's, his dad's, you know, a former head coach at Michigan that has a national title ring. And he fits this situation. He's as good a pick as there is to win it because it's all about accuracy. And that's what he does best. I think him and Aaron Nolan, the kid that's committed to Ohio State, are the most likely to win it because they're the two best fits for what it does. They'd have some rollouts and different things, but it's mostly pure quarterback accuracy, short, medium, and long. And I, I think you can learn a lot from it but it's still not the same as looking down the gun barrel when a defensive lineman breaks contain and you got to take that hit and you got to step yeah. into a throw and get thumped. There is no pretty way to say it. There is no other way to evaluate a quarterback until you see him do that. And very few guys, even at the NFL level, do it well. Not fun. Right. And that's one of the things, one of the reasons why it's so hard to evaluate these guys. Now, stepping back from just the prospects, I want to talk about Notre Dame's coaching staff. And we'll start with the head guy, Marcus Freeman. Have you noticed a shift in Marcus Freeman's recruiting approach in his second year as head coach compared to his first year? Because when he was introduced, he was very open about the fact that he wanted to be the lead recruiter on every single prospect. That seems like a lot, uh, especially for a guy as busy as him. So have you noticed any shift at all uh, from year two to year one? Well, that depends on how you evaluate the words lead recruiter. That's, that's a subjective terminology, and it's not literally possible. They offer 200 kids. I mean, you can't, there's no way. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at it from a texting, DM, email, and then, of course, anytime there's a visit, he's a guy that I know some of the kids down south where I live that he messages with still that aren't like considered likely to even visit Notre Dame. He, he I don't know. He must have just sit around and text all day. <laughs> I don't know what it is because like a few of the kids that I just know well, I hit them up once in a while. Um, they're big time recruits and they still talk to Freeman sometimes. He just likes it. So he wants to be a father figure. He wants to be somebody that learns from the kids and vice versa. So his version of being the leader might be a little different than mine, but he is all awfully involved. I mean, most guys don't like recruiting off the record conversations, especially older coaches. They do not like it. So Freeman has an advantage with that because, I mean, there are a lot of coaches that are winning big in college football, but I don't think they're good pure game day guys. They just got better dudes. Recruiting is the most important thing of your program. It's just true. So, I mean, I, I love Kirby Smart as a coach, but I love him more with his roster. So it's, right. 
that's what that's what Notre Dame's trying to do. They're just trying to improve their roster. And Freeman got to give the man credit. Um, he's done as good as he can, but I, he's probably delegated a little bit. I mean, again, two hundred kids. I mean, how many yeah. of them can you really have a close relationship with? Right. So even if he isn't the lead recruiter, like you said, he was going to be, he's still very active and very involved with every prospect. That's really surprising that he's hitting up the ones who aren't even really looking at Notre Dame anymore. Maybe, you know, sometimes that'll play out well in the long term. Like I'm thinking of Kenny Minchie last year, who, I mean, that's right. And Notre Dame was pretty much out of it. And then all of a sudden at the last minute, they're able to get him away from Pitt. Now, as for his assistance, Freeman has had to overhaul his entire staff, really, in the year and a half since he became the head coach, and somewhat unexpectedly, uh, I might add. And now that he's surrounded by guys who he's hired, uh, and he has a long history working with a lot of them, who do you think are the best recruiters on the staff, and what makes them so effective? Well, Bowden is the best recruiter, but that's that's what he does. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to count him, and if you follow Notre Dame recruiting, you don't know who he is, you need to, you need to start over. Real but, quickly, uh, though, not to interrupt, but... Uh, Bowden, like I see his name, and I think that some fans don't necessarily understand his role. Could you explain just how crucial he is to the entire recruiting operation at Notre Dame? When I mentioned a moment ago that Freeman delegates to a certain degree, Chad Bowden is that guy. They came over from Cincinnati. He's, I don't, I don't even know how to put it, but not just likes recruiting. It's kind of what just who he is. He calls all the kids. He looks at the film. He finds guys that are off the radar. They do their own evaluations a little bit differently than some other schools, partly because of the academics and the rigors of that social life there at Notre Dame. But he is the maestro for all things recruiting, on-campus visits, everything. He's got his hand in it in some capacity. And that includes what Freeman does. Like, he gives him a lot of responsibility. So uh, for some old-school Notre Dame fans, he's the Benny Serrato of this staff. That's probably the best way I could put it. That's interesting. Now, what about the on-field assistants? Well, that's that's an interesting group, too. I mean, you've got different guys with different personalities, but they all have to go after top guys. Like Washington, the D-line coach, has really stepped up his game. He's got a good relationship with rushing, just as an example. You're not going to get a five-star D-lineman with us, you know, without a D-line coach that's putting in effort. They also have a really good young group of guys. Um, I don't know if there's a better wide receiver coach in evaluating and getting kids – that probably didn't even know what state Notre Dame was in to be dead serious than what Stucky does. I believe my it. kids down south. I'm not. I'm not kidding. They don't know what state Notre Dame's in, and that, that is literal sense. They have no idea. So he's getting kids out of Georgia. He gets kids from Texas, etc. They probably, you know, every kid I talk to in Florida, like thinks Notre Dame's in like New York or something. They have no idea. But it's it's true. Like Florida kids are a whole other animal. We, that's that's a show for another day. But Stucky's probably my favorite recruiter because he can go into anybody's house and get a kid to at least visit. And there's only been a few guys like that I've known that have coached at Notre Dame. Urban Meyer is the guy I know the best, and he's the best recruiter I've ever been around. But even besides guys like that, there's there just haven't been many that can just walk into Georgia's backyard or Alabama's backyard and you know get, get a kid to at least listen. And Notre Dame has done that. Part of that's Freeman, because he does get involved with the kids. But Stucky would be number one. Um, to be honest with you, Rudolph's done a pretty good job with the O-line. I heard really good things with the visit with Lambert, and it's because of him. So that's that's one I need to see more of, and he just got to Notre Dame. But that that's a really good sign. And I also think that there's a little bit of an underrated value with some of the things that 
that Golden has done. He's done a pretty good job this year of helping out on several spots. He may not be a prime recruiter like he used to be back 20 years ago, but he's done a pretty good job. And then the running back, I mean, that that's that's kind of like talking about C.J. Carr. That's obvious. Running back recruiting, I'm not worried about at all with Notre Dame. They will be good every year as long as he's there. So that that's how I look at it. So Golden, you bring him up. Uh, he obviously has a history in Florida. Um, and I feel like this year, what Notre Dame has been doing defensively in this recruiting class, I think is catching a lot of fans by surprise because there's a lot of under-the-radar prospects in there. They've taken guys like Teddy Rezac very early on in the process who is not highly uh, recruited, to say the least. I think Notre Dame was his first big-time offer. At that point, Nebraska hadn't even offered him. So what could you tell us about Al Golden as a recruiter? Because I think there's a perception by the fans, and I'm not sure that equates to reality. When he was at Virginia 20 or so years ago, he was one of the best recruiters in the country. Uh, but that's it. recruiting is a young man's game. And the reason I say that, it's not just about effort, is can you relate to kids? And the, I don't know, the, the difference between somebody your, your age or even, even younger and somebody that's over 50 now is probably larger than ever because of social media and stuff. Most people over 50 don't want to deal with that stuff. But I don't blame don't, them. And you're, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's hard. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of pitfalls with it, obviously. Every every day there's a new report out of something on social media that's not not good. But that that's part of it. These kids like it. And if you don't get accustomed to Twitter, Snapchat, or whatever one it is for Recruit X to Recruit Y, you're probably not going to get them. So he didn't do as good a job as I would have liked necessarily last year, but he's been involved. I mean, he I see him at IMG in different places on the recruiting trail seeing kids. He's involved and he's putting in effort. And if you're the coordinator, you need to be more of the closer, kind of like Marcus Freeman is, than necessarily the leader. And he also does his own deal, meaning he recruits kids for his scheme. I like Reese, but he plays on the suburbs of Omaha. Look, no recruiting analyst that I know lives in the state of Nebraska and probably never will. They're not going to get rated the same. They're just not. You know, everybody lives in the South or out West because that's where the 90% of the prospects are. They're near water somewhere. So kids like that, it's a little bit different. And you just kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. And uh, if you watch the film, you can see a long-term projection. Because, like, that kid's really long and athletic. Is he ready to play day one? No. Is he going to be ready by his junior year and be like 6'4", 230? Yes. So it's a projection, and that's part of recruiting. I'm okay with that as long as they get guys that fit their scheme. Then go for it. All right, last question before I let you go. I want to do a little bit of story time. So last year, Notre Dame was very much a part of the Peyton Bowen saga. Um, personally, that was the craziest, most bizarre recruitment that I have ever seen. Obviously, Bowen ended up at Oklahoma, despite the fact that their head coach, Brent Venables, said he doesn't entertain dramatic recruitments. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but as someone who's been covering recruiting for a long time, where does Bowen's recruitment rank among the craziest that you've ever witnessed? Uh, I mean, there were, there were some bad seeds in that, obviously, uh, for anybody this fall, I'm not going to get into specifics, but he's a great kid. I know him personally, I've seen him at his high school, multiple events, all-star games, all that tremendous player, but his recruitment honestly isn't even close because NIL is one thing, the dirty South with the dirty recruiting, it's on a whole nother level. Like it, this wasn't a, a pure bag man situation. His girlfriend was at Oklahoma, et cetera. There were, there were a lot of weird factors involved working against Notre Dame. That being said, some of these kids from different places, it, you know, 
I know Notre Dame tried to recruit a kid that is in the NFL now. I'll just leave his name out of it. But through their handler, you weren't allowed to get involved. It's like you paid money just to get his phone number. And this is a kid that was like arguably the best player in the country. And that kind of stuff happens. So it just depends on what you want to do. And you could imagine which schools are, are doing. I mean, it's not, again, it's not rocket science. So while people might be mad about how the Bowen situation went, a lot of the crazy recruitments Notre Dame never even really got involved with because of the money. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, it's, yeah. it, there, there are a hundred of those. Like in, in, in the SEC, every school is doing something like that every year. So, yeah, it, it's par for the course. Notre Dame fans just aren't quite as accustomed to it. It's a crazy world, man. Um, all right, be sure to follow Brian on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida and check out all of his work for Locked On. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. So let's do it again soon. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Brian, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe to the show on the way out and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod. Remember, tomorrow I'll be talking about the Jack Swarbrick news, huge breaking news around Notre Dame, groundbreaking stuff in the college athletics landscape. Notre Dame is going to have a new athletic director for the first time since 2008, starting in 2024, and uh, it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time for the program, so I'll have my thoughts on that uh, with Luke Smith as well tomorrow. So I'll see you then.